Just to really keep flowing with the theme, really, in Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And it's this very simple uh, and yet all-encompassing instruction, command, job description, agenda, key result area, whatever you want to call it, that Jesus lays out that is, is the driving force behind everything we're doing for him now. And so in these two days, we wanted to focus on this whole thing of everyone being a witness. It's a, um, a little phrase that um, we've sort of come up with. I've been chatting to one or two of the evangelists amongst us, and, and there's different ones going to be sharing through these two days, just things that can try and help us. And the most important thing was that we didn't want to just sort of say, oh, here's another evangelistic initiative, or here's a few people who are experts who can come and just come and do something for us, and we're all kind of watching as the, the evangelists come and do their stuff and people get saved. I don't believe that's God's heart for us. I believe he wants every one of us to be a witness. The thing that's driving me personally more than anything at the moment, is this two thing of everyone a witness, that including me, me being a witness for Christ, and corporate prayer, us giving ourselves to prayer. So prayer and witness, prayer and witness. That, is it, were, it, were there like two of the values, the cultural values, that I think the Lord wants us to really give our attention to in this season? Because I think they're there are these, some of these plates that are moving, these plate tectonics, you know, when the geography moves. I think the Lord is moving some big stuff, uh, not just around us, but around lots of different people. But I think these are really key things. So I just want to talk a little bit about this everyone a witness thing and the Great Commission. And tomorrow morning I want to talk a little bit about corporate prayer because we've got our second enough coming up, as you know, in the 19th of June. So I want to just sort of revisit that again tomorrow. But just to talk about everyone... Being a witness, that to me means all of us are involved in, in, in every place, every kind of person, and, and uh, we want to be a witness in every kind of place, to every kind of person, to every kind of culture. Um, I reflected a little bit on how I got involved in, how did I get involved in doing what I'm doing? Well, to be honest, I was first involved in Youth for Christ. That was, that was what I got saved into, because to be honest, church was so naff, it was so naff that the only life was outside the church. And uh, as Grantley will remember, and, and um, Ian Savory, we were involved for many, many years in, in putting on, at times, large-scale evangelistic things and at times, small-scale evangelistic things. But the whole drive of everything we did was to share the gospel with more and more people and see more and more people come to know the Lord. That's what I was saved into. That was the thing that, that kind of made me have passion. You know, I, I kind of thought, well, how, do, how, do we, how do we share with more and more people? What we found, of course, was that when... And we did see quite a lot of people come to know the Lord back in, in the day, didn't we? We saw you know, many, many people come to know the Lord. But what we often found is that when they came into church, church couldn't handle them. 
because it was just there was just no wine skin for the wine. It was just so. Then we began the journey of um, restoration in the church, as it was, and, and and trying to get the the structures and the framework and the wine skin right, so that the wine could be held and it, and it wouldn't split uh, split either the skin or lose the wine. And that whole journey, that emphasis, has been perhaps the journey of the last 30 years as New Frontiers, as we've been part of that journey. That's why we were in New Frontiers, because we thought, no, there's a vision of a glorious church, so people are saved and added into something glorious, that the whole thing flows, and there isn't a disconnect. What I would say, though, is just as a personal reflection as a church leader, I mean, I'm not leading a team now, but I'm still an elder, and I'm still, what I would say reflecting over the years is what tends to happen, I've found, perhaps it's my own dysfunction, and the rest of you think, don't know what you're talking about, but just bear with me going through some personal therapy. But <laughs> what I've discovered over the years is that the more we got immersed in um, restoring what was lost, and then rebuilding what we discovered needed to be built, what tended to happen was that the rescue part tended to drop off the agenda because the centrifugal force of church management sucks you ever inward to a point where the thing you actually planted the church to do becomes so suffocated by the necessary needs of managing what has been added to it that the very command of Jesus, go therefore into all the world, gets compromised often because we haven't got time, we feel, or capacity to do it. It's another, well, we have an evangelism department well, they do the alpha. Uh, we'll, well, there's lots of departments. We do the, they do the alpha. That, that has got to change. That is not church. We are primarily a rescue agency. Uh, the only reason we should plant churches is because people are getting saved and need one. If we're planting churches and think, oh, yeah, and a few people will get saved as well. You think, no. Well, what is that? that? That is rearranging chairs on a Titanic. That there is something, and I'm, I, I'm going through this kind of rediscovery personally, because I think if I don't get it in here, there's no point me telling you about it out there, is there? I, I've got to get through this myself and extract myself from the centrifugal force that inevitably happens through expansion. And it's not like, oh, well, we don't see that in the Bible. Oh, yes, you do. Acts chapter 6. Growth produced management issues. But the apostles said, no, we, no, we've got to find... There's nothing wrong with management. We need management, otherwise things don't grow. But where there's a need for leaders to be leading the charge and motivating and setting an example and setting the agenda that leads to ever-expansion. You can't do that if you're constantly just managing what you've got. There's something culturally that has to change within us. And one of the key things that I'm thinking as well is that it was, it was go into all the world... But they began in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Let me just give you some 
reflections on that that I think are really, that I feel God said to me personally. I can remember when I, a few years ago, when I was first sort of, sort of starting doing what I'm doing, whatever I am, whatever I am doing. Um, and uh, dear Ken McGreevy, when he was still alive, I, I only met him once uh, in London, and we just spent a day together, and he just sort of prophesied to me all these things. I wrote them all down. And just remarkable how much of it has really been a plumb line for me. Just think, no, build like that, build like that, build like that. It was really helpful. But one of the things he said to me was this. He said, it is not less than apostolic to give yourself to one person as much to you know, a whole conference or a nation or whatever. He wasn't saying that that stuff shouldn't happen. He's saying it's not less than apostolic to give yourself to one person. You see, the thing is, when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't immediately plan the resurrection tour. I'm back. He, he, didn't, he didn't plan for the big to start with. He went to find broken-hearted Mary in the garden. He started with the one. And there's something within our DNA that must be cultivated where we, where we do not promote one thing over another. We, I'm trying my very best to share my faith with those that live nearby me, with relatives that I have who don't know the Lord, with complete strangers. With, I, I'm having some interesting experiments, some which work better than others. But I'm deliberately creating space for myself. Even yesterday, I had quite a, potentially quite a busy day. But I had an opportunity at lunchtime to go and sit with a couple of, couple of guys who just sort of got some religious belief, but it's, not, it's different to what we believe. And I thought, well, I'm going to give my lunch hour, even though it's going to make me a little bit behind with things. I'm going to do that because I want to just be with people that don't know Jesus the way I know him and give some time to actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That doesn't mean the other stuff isn't important, preparing for this and all the rest of it, but we've got to get, there's got to be some adjustment. And do you know what? You have to fight for it. You absolutely have to fight for it. Now, what I don't want to do from these two days is produce some sort of frantic mass panic Quick, share, share, quick, quick. I can remember being in London once, and I went to visit the Natural History Museum, and there was this guy standing outside the Natural History Musician, Museum with a whole bunch of tracts. Man, he was so wound up. He was giving tracts, Christian tracts, to everyone. And I came past, and he said, here's a tract, do you know Jesus? And I said, yeah, I am a Christian. He said, have you shared your faith today? I said, well, I just got off the train. He said, that's not the point. Have you shared your faith? I said, well... No, not yet. I'll see if I get an opportunity. You don't need an opportunity. People need to know. People need to know. You need to share your faith every day. Every day you need to share your faith. And I thought, you know, you are the antithesis of the message you're giving because you're not good news. You, you, are, you are not good news. Take, you know, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is it. You were not good news. There was something about him that felt sort of obliged to share in such a way that actually the very thing he was trying to share had been compromised by this sort of striving within. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about learning to partner with the Holy Spirit 
in a very relaxed, easy way. Jesus said it would actually be easy to share. It's the response that sometimes is varied, but sharing actually should be very easy. Why? Because we're constantly looking out for men or women of peace who God has prepared in that moment for us to share with. And if you find a man or woman of peace or a group of people or or whatever, a context to share where there's receptivity, even to just listening to your story, that is not difficult or strained. Because God's peace is already there. So, and, and as, as um, Grantley was saying earlier, this thing of learning the gap between theology and practice is this. As we learn more to partner with the Holy Spirit, we will learn how, when, who, why, what. We will learn to go here, go there, don't go there, listen to that person, don't speak to that person, move away from it. We will learn more and more what it is to flow in the daily guidance of Holy Spirit leading. That, I believe, is one of the main reasons the Holy Spirit is with us. Because he said, you know, go and I will be with you. Didn't he? To the end of the age. Now, I'm, I'm just trying to press reset. And, and all, the, all the people who share through this, through this two days are all going to be filling out in much greater detail just these little uh, sort of touch points I'm just making with us. But I suppose I just wanted to... I, I said to Carl, well, do I need to say anything about this? Because you're going to cover it much better than I do. And he said, well, I think it's really important that you say what's on your heart. So, as I say, so it's not just like, well, let's bring in the experts, but that's not really Mike's thing. No, it is my thing. Because it's all of our thing, isn't it? I don't care whether you're a musician, children's worker, lead elder, church planter. Sharing our faith is our thing. And we've just got to learn. And it's constantly learning. There's some people I'm sharing with at the moment. There's one guy in particular, and I think, Lord, I, I have no idea what to do now. No idea. It's beyond words. I'm not even sure, even if I prayed how to... Well, I do pray, and nothing seems to happen. What, what do I do? So I'm, I'm having to learn at grassroots. with Because every, every person's different, aren't they? Every person's different, but I want to be at that cutting edge so that when we plant churches, we're planting them constantly thinking about the people that are going to get saved or that have got saved because that's why we're doing it. So that it's almost like when we come back together each time or when we have church plant updates or when we, when we come in a setting like this, something culturally gets put into us so we're sharing our stories of how many people got saved, what's happened, what's... Do you know what I mean? So there's a... That's what we're occupied with up here, increasingly, rather than coming in here with a great, oh, I've got an elders meeting tonight, oh, trustees next week, oh, man. You know, now, all that stuff's not going to go away, I'm sorry. You can't cast it out, it's there. It's part, but it's part, it's part of the grace, part of the load God has given you to carry. But he hasn't said, well, that gets you, uh, that, that excuses you from active service when it comes to sharing your faith. That's Because that's just not, you know, leaders particularly, we, we get this gravitational pull that draws us right into the centre and keeps us in the centre, right in the hub of everything that's routine and built and established and normal. We have to, I have to, constantly push my way to the edge because the edge is where I will get new stories. And where I get new stories, I can then bring them back into the middle and then you inspire the people that you're trying to lead. 
But if I've not been on the edge and got some new stories, where am I taking anyone? All I'm doing is telling them something that someone else did, or something that I did years ago when I did have some time. This should never be. So I guess I'm, I'm not sharing this for it to be a burden. I'm sharing this. This is my journey. Do you want to join me in it? This is kind of what I'm saying. I'm, I'm trying to think, no, Lord, let's redefine how we do this. Even if I share my faith for the rest of my life and nobody comes to Christ, at least I'm sharing it. I'm not responsible for the outcome. He just wants me to be obedient in the right place at the right time with the right person doing the right thing. Do you, are you with me in this? Because this isn't just, a, well, we'll talk, we'll talk about this this time, what we're we doing next month. No, no, this is not going away. I would, rather be, I would rather relational mission become known as passionate about reaching people and then planting churches rather than passionate about planting churches and sometimes reaching people. If is, there is a difference. The church is the product of the mission. It isn't the mission itself. It's, it's, it's a, we've got to get the horse and the cart the right way around. You know, and we can sometimes think that mission is about where we're going to go a long way away. And there's this prophet uh, friend of mine who I've... There's another connection God seems to have given us, and you'll meet him in due course, Shaju, uh, who lives in India. Uh, he, he said to me, do you know, some people live in Somalia, but a lot of people have got Somalia living in them. That You don't have to go very far to find the poor. You don't have to go very far to find need. And we can think, oh, it's all out there. Missions out there in, in dark nations. Nations that are under great oppression. Listen, this nation's under great oppression. If you talk to your neighbours recently, talk to your work colleagues, you hear the buzz around the church, and just the brokenness is unbelievable. It's, I've honestly never... And I, I try to keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the community and just friends of friends and whatever. This nation is in dire need. People don't know how to live. They've got no no safety nets, parameters, no idea. Sheep without a shepherd who don't even know their sheep. It's gone that far. Don't even know what sheep is anymore. I mean... So I, I, I'm sharing this not, not to put something... Oh, I've got to evangelism. No, just the, the, the Lord will help us. Yeah? This is not a... Oh, wish I hadn't gone to that. I've got enough to... Doesn't he see my list, what I've got to do? Look at that. How am I going to do this? No, no, be released, right? This is not something to put on you. This is something for us to be released into. Right? This is, this is going to be fun. Do you remember fun? And primarily the way I believe this is going to work out, and I'll just say a couple more things now. I don't want to go into it too much because I'll, I'll steal everybody's thunder, but in some ways, re, re-saying it, is this all right what I'm doing, Carl? Um, is that okay? Right, is this what you want me to do? Um, I think um, 
that there are three elements which we will look at over these two days, three key elements to sharing. And I, I, I think this is, this is a John Wimberism, uh, but I love John Wimber's stuff. I, I just think we owe him so much. Uh, we owe him so much, and I, I love the stuff that he does. And, and he just used to talk about words, works, and wonders. And I think that, to me, is the package of, of how we share our faith. Words, so our testimony, our story. When Paul was before Agrippa, uh, you know, he didn't offer to paint his fence to do some community work in Agrippa's back. No, he told him his story, right? Because that was appropriate for the moment, okay? But there were other seasons when there's great need in the community. They take up an offering because people are starving. They don't want to hear your testimony if they're going to die tomorrow. You know, it's, what's the right... Or someone comes, comes and, and, and they're desperate to be healed. They say, well, before I heal you, let me just take you back through the Pentateuch and look at... The, no, it's, what is the right tool to take out the toolkit at that moment to help that situation? And I think words, works, and wonders, we constantly got to carry all those three around with us and pull the right tool out the toolkit to do whatever we need to do with the person, the community, the group, the town, the city, the nation, whatever... Wherever we're working, some churches we will plant through works, through serving the poor, and it will open it will open up the community to receive us. Others we will plant churches through wonders, where we go in on a supernatural ticket, and it breaks open something. Others we will plant on a word base because people want alpha, they want to listen, they want to dialogue, they want. To... It's finding where's the man and woman of peace, and what's the appropriate thing to do in the community we're going into. And it's learning how to assess by the Spirit, Lord, what, how do you want us to go in here? That's what Paul was doing in Athens. He was assessing before he just um, you know, used any, any old tool. Let's have a claw hammer, that'll do. Suddenly you need to put the screw in. You know, that's not how you do it. You think, no, you, you find what's right. Find what's right. Some will accept us and some will reject us. This is normal. I don't, I don't like it. I mean, I, I plucked up all my courage on the train going down to London. Was, and yeah, the Lord's, uh, there was a man sitting opposite me, not well, the next thing, and he was talking quite loudly on his phone. And, um, well, you can't help listening, can you? I mean, there's nothing else to do on a train, is there? And he was going through this great long story about he'd got a very, very severe back problem. He was a professional concert musician, obviously quite famous, I don't know who he was, but he, you know, he was, he was, you know, it was quite obvious he was someone important in that realm. But he had a lot of pain, and he said he'd flown out to Russia the last couple of weeks to have some special treatment. And then he'd been somewhere in America, and he'd spent a lot of money. And I just felt the Lord say to me, "Offered to pray for him." I thought, "Oh no, <laughs> really, no, please, no." And so I thought, "Well, I'll test it," which is really a way of trying to get out of it. But you, you, call, you call it, you're test, testing it. So I said to the Lord, okay, I won't do it now because it's a bit tricky. Uh, he's on the phone, train's going like that, lots of other people, I'm not that bold. If when the train stops and we get off the train, nobody is around us, I will offer to pray for him. And I thought, that's got me out of this because this is Liverpool Street. It's never not empty. It's never, it's never empty. So we get off the train, and sure enough, everybody's I'm all like that. And I thought, I'm all right here. We go through the barrier. Everybody disappears, except me and him. 
just literally, me and him, 100 yards, no one else. And I thought, no, actually it gave me confidence, because I thought, no, Lord, you really do want me to do it. So I said, excuse excuse me, I hope you don't mind me, you couldn't help but listen to a little bit of what you were saying on the phone, I wasn't trying to be nosy, but, you know, just, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, Um, I've seen him heal many people, Um, would you mind if I prayed for you? And he said, no, it's not for me, and walked off. I tell you, that hurt. But the next time the Lord says to me, I want you to pray for that, I'm going to do it again. Why? Because it's normal that some people will reject us. That's normal. That is not a failure. And if the only stories we ever hear are the ones where they go, oh, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) Do you know, what that will do is it will inoculate us against reality. Because most of the time, we will have to go more than once at, at the person or the situation to unlock it. Because we have to learn. And, and even Jesus was rejected. Even Paul was rejected. No, I don't want to hear that. Go away. Kick him out. So if they didn't get 100% success rate, why do we feel deflated if we've had a go? Ask a friend to Alpha. They've said no, and we think, well, I'm never doing that again. Come on. That's normal. Some will accept, some will reject. And we've almost, I think, just got to get over ourselves a little bit. Not take it personally. Yeah. Think, I'll just, no, I'm just going to, when I, when I feel the prompting of God, regardless of the outcome, I'm just going to do it. Is that just common sense, isn't it? I mean, yeah. just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to be real. Okay, I think, uh, I think, what do I think? I think I've said enough. Uh, Just a couple more things, probably. Um, Just to encourage us, perhaps. We we do have a field that God has assigned to us. That's what it says in Corinthians, isn't it? And that field is determined by God, but it grows as our faith grows. And as and our faith grows, the more we take hold of that for which God took hold of us. So the more we step out, just one step to take a little bit more of the field, what happens is we actually found that the, find that the boundary mark is a lot further out than we thought it was. Now, I never... Th- I mean, just going back to that cu- Skype call I had yesterday with this guy in this closed Muslim nation, I never thought I'd, in a million years I'd be sitting talking to someone who's planted 400 churches in a closed Muslim nation in the last seven years. Never thought that. But suddenly, the field that we might be partnering in some way in, I don't know where it's all going, that's just, the boundary line's just gone whoop, way beyond what I thought it might. And so my first step is just to connect on Skype and see if God's doing something, which he seems to be. I don't know what the next step is, and neither does he, but we're praying about it, and there's other connections happening. What I'm trying to say is this. There is something God has in mind for us to do, and he has determined it, but I promise you this. It's much bigger than we think. It's much bigger than we think possible. Why? Because then only God can get the glory for it. And actually, we can't ever inherit it all until you just take that one step after another, which is why back in in Exodus it says, little by little you will inherit the land, 
Uh, but you will not inherit it all in one year because you can't inherit it until you have increased enough to take possession of it. Otherwise, the wild animals will be too great for you and they will overpower your resources. So even in the, even in the natural journey of the, of the Old Testament kind of prefigurement of the church, the church grew into its inheritance step by step. As it grew in maturity and capacity and gifting and, mature, and, and wisdom and all the rest of it, God helped them then take more land. It's the same for us. It's the same for us. We're on a journey and God will get us there. Okay, I think I'm going to stop there. We're supposed to finish at 12, are we? Okay, we're finishing that, yeah. Leg stretch, yeah. So let me just pray. Father, I do pray that you would help us over these next um, sessions. And I pray you'll keep on equipping us. I pray, Lord, lift off any sense of condemnation or pressure, I pray every one of us will feel utterly free and actually excited at this new adventure you're going to take us on, that it's a new component, a new, uh, it's not like we've never known it before, but you'll polish it so that it becomes such a shiny, a shiny thing in our family trophy cabinet that we think, yeah, that's what we're about, that's what we're about. Lord, I pray that every one of us, whatever our major gifting, will be those that we will be those that share our faith through words, works, and wonders. And I pray that in these two days, we would be thoroughly equipped, immersed, and baptized in an anointing of the Spirit to be able to get the job done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.